Well, if you recall, we're in the 23rd Psalm, and we were looking at basically verses 2 and 3 last week, and I really didn't get through with the message last week. So what I'm going to try to do this week is complete the message very quickly and then move into what I think the Lord really wants me to share this week. And I want to start by, start by just sharing the, the God, just another glaring difference between our Heavenly Father and most people. Have you ever gotten frustrated with your kids, for example, or with other people in general? They just can't seem to do it right. They can't seem to get it right. And it's easy for us to get frustrated. And sometimes we get so frustrated, even as parents, uh, we resort to punishment instead of discipline. At least some of us have done that before. We overreact. And somehow or other, we kind of look at our Heavenly Father sometimes that He's like that. When we mess up, man, he's, He's anxious to turn His back on you. He's anxious to walk away from you. He's anxious to punish you. He will discipline, but punish you? No, he doesn't do those things. And as we're looking at the 23rd Psalm and we're, we're seeing this picture that David is giving us of a good shepherd, and we're using the, the metaphor of the sheep a lot because the Bible does. And I mentioned last week a little book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller. And a lot of what I shared last week uh, was illustrations from that book. But we see this shepherd who is so caring, so focused, you know, leads us into those green pastures, by those still waters, restores our soul. All the, we need to understand that that's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of God that we serve, contrary to a lot of people's opinion or attitude about God. If you remember last week, kind of towards the end, I was talking about the cast sheep, those sheep that find themselves laying on their back or just a little too far on their side, and they just can't get up. They can't get up. And the picture for us there is of the shepherd constantly watching and looking over his flock of sheep so that he would see one of those sheep in that vulnerable position, deadly position. And as he's watching and and looking over his flock, if he sees that, if he sees those feet in the air, man, he is on a straight line to that sheep, to that lamb. To help them up, literally roll them over. Oftentimes they have, they're so weakened in this state because of what's been taking place in their body because of the, the way they were laying for so long. He has to hold them up, oftentimes almost put them between their legs and kind of straddling them and beginning to rub their legs to get the circulation going so that they can stand on their own. Such care by the shepherd. And it's just a wonderful picture for us that our good shepherd is anxious. He's always watching. He's looking. And he's observing us in our lives. And he is anxious to come. When we find ourselves in that place that we all can go to where we're kind of feeling just overwhelmed, maybe despair, maybe even questioning the Good Shepherd himself, we can find ourselves in a place that we think, now maybe he's not going to rescue me. How can he? He must be ashamed of me. He wants to. He's continually looking for us to help us. He continually wants to get us to a place where he can give us rest. Bring us into those green pastures. 
by those still waters. Restore our souls. You know, as Christians, we sometimes believe this lie that we're supposed to be strong and perfect and, oh, my, we're so spiritual. There's nothing. You know what? We get down. We can get worn out. We can get weary. And when we get in that place, the enemy is anxious to attack because we are weakened. But God's always there as the good shepherd, observing, watching, ready to raise us up. The scripture we looked, ended with, we were talking about, he restoreth my soul. And then it goes on and said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not only does he care for us like that, he will guide us. He leads us for his name's sake. You know, sheep are, are considered one of the dip, most difficult, if not the most difficult form of livestock to take care of. They just, like I said last week, my dad's line was, what? They're just looking for a place to die. <laughs> it's sheep. Well, they'll be in their pasture, and if you leave them without the shepherd guiding them and directing them, they're going to they're gonna walk in a path, and they're going to walk in that path, and they're going to walk in that path, and they're going to they're going to graze the pasture till there's nothing left in the pasture. They're going to, through their own feces, it's going to become filled with parasites and disease if the shepherd's not there caring for them, moving them, leading them, destroying, they'll destroy the whole pasture and ultimately ruining themselves and ruining the reputation of the shepherd. The sheep are used as a picture of human beings in the Bible. And the more you learn about sheep, the more you go, gee, <laughs> that's us. We are a stubborn, stiff-necked people. We can be just like those sheep if we're not being led and guided by the good shepherd. It's very easy as us to fall back on our old behavioral patterns, our life patterns, even if even if the results and the consequences of those old life patterns are obvious to everybody and usually even to ourselves, we still go back and we, we drink from the polluted waters. We eat from infested pastures. And we look to all these things to try to refresh us, restore us. And we turn to drugs and we turn to alcohol. We turn to sexual immorality. We turn to, to recreation. We turn to all these things that do nothing to restore our soul. And the consequences leave us with broken people, broken hearts, broken lives. And we have a good shepherd that says, it's not necessary. You don't need to go there. I will lead you into the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. He's not going to lead us just so we look good, but we will look better. Or that we feel good, but we will feel good. He does it for his name's sake. In spite of us, he wants to lead us, to guide us, direct us. Most of us, including myself, can be really stubborn, stiff-necked. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We like people have each gone astray. We've all done it our own way. We think we know better. We think we know better than God our good shepherd. Proverbs 14, 12, this is the way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. It seemed like a good idea. It's what I want to do. And ultimately the consequences can be overwhelming. 
and leads us to this place of brokenness. And the problem is a simple one to identify. It's a difficult one. It's a challenging one to overcome. It's called pride. Our self-will. We can be so prideful thinking we can do it our way. We know better. We know the best way. We know what's best for us. In spite of the disastrous results that might be in our past, we still think, well, that's okay. I've got it figured out now. And all of a sudden, our present and quite probably our future looks like our past. But the Good Shepherd wants to lead us. He comes to us and he says things like in these next two scriptures in Mark chapter 8, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for, my, for me and for the gospel will save it. Boy, that's just so contrary. If we want to experience an abundant life. We want to experience freedom. We want to experience the goodness that God desires for us. I just got to say, I give up. I surrender. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. You lead me down those paths. That's where I'm going to go. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the only way. You want the abundant life? I'm it. And he wants it for us. Now, some of us sometimes might think or say to ourselves things like, he's asking way too much. He's asking me to give up way too much. The demands seem way too drastic. Matter of fact, it sounds impossible. I can't possibly follow the good shepherd and be what he wants me to be. And the answer is, you're right in your own strength. If we're going to try to do all that he wants us to do in our own strength, we're going to fail. We're going to get totally wore out and exhausted and frustrated. Totally. But the good news is we don't do it in our own strength. If we are serious about wanting to follow the good shepherd, if we're serious about it, he provides all that we need. In Acts 5, verse 32, it says, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us to those who obey him. If we were going to do it in our own strength, it's impossible. He has given us the Holy Spirit. The Lord knows, and he knew we couldn't do it on our own. Transformation couldn't take place in our own strength. A renewing of our mind can't happen just by effort. He knew we needed the Holy Spirit, so he gave us the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He not only gives you the desire and the will, he'll give you the ability. He leads us in those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, don't think that word righteousness means perfect. If we could follow them perfectly, it would be that way. But it won't be. There's going to be glitches. You know, when the sheep wander off sometimes in a flock, they're not intentionally trying to put themselves in danger. They're not intentionally trying to be disobedient. There is something that draws them away. Sometimes they just lose focus and wander off. We can do the same thing if we're not on, on track following the Holy Spirit. So in the first few verses, we've seen that he, he, the Lord watches over us if we trust him. He provides physical needs for us as we go along in our life. He'll provide the spiritual needs. And now in verse 4, there's a dramatic change that takes place that you may 
may never even observed. But we're going to see that we have a good shepherd who walks with us, and if we trust him, that he is continually present in our lives, and he wants to be, and he is prepared to protect us. So the, the, if this was sermon number two, the title would change to Confidence in a Crisis. We all have what we might call crises in our lives. And we, when we walk through verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, most of us hear this so often read at funerals that we almost associate the 23rd Psalm with death and dying. The 23rd Psalm is about life and living. That's what it's about. But there is something about this Psalm. Why is it when we read it? The Psalm itself almost is like green pastures and living water to us. If you really meditate, you know what? I'm going to ask you if you'd like to, close your eyes and just listen to me read it and really listen to the words of this psalm and see what it does, what it stirs in your life. I'm reading it in the New American Standard, so I may ad-lib just a hair. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in lush green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet, still, pure waters. He restores my soul and he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff continually comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of even my enemies. And you have anointed my head with oil. My cup, my life overflows. Surely goodness, loving kindness, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. There's something about that section of Scripture that when we hear it, there's a reason that is probably the most, most well-known and the favorite of the most people section of Scripture in the whole Bible. We might have a verse or two here and there, but the 23rd Psalm, and the question I would have is, why? Why is it that way? What is it about that psalm that grabs our soul. Some of these places like this one are so powerful, so deep. Man, when we recite them, when we read them, it's like we're experiencing it. That's why it is so comforting. I think, and I would offer this as at least a partial explanation why it's that way, is because it is so personal. It's so personal. This isn't some poet using flowering words to exaggerate a point. This isn't somebody talking about some theoretical theology or doctrine. This is the personal experiences and testimony of David being poured out. And it covers all of our life. And we can relate. Those green pastures, those wonderful times in our life, 
the, the times of refreshing, the, the quiet, still waters. When our soul has been wearied and troubled and in despair, it, we, we've been refreshed, restored. But life isn't always great. There are sometimes some really dark valleys where we truly feel like we're experiencing and walking within in the shadow of death. But He's with us. He's with us, caring for us, protecting us, guiding us, directing us. I think one of the reasons this thing resonates in us so much is it's just a personal thing from David that we all can relate to in our own Christian walk. He experienced God. He's not talking theory. He experienced Him. He heard His voice. He saw His protection. He saw this path that God had for him that there's no way he could have walked it himself. David had convictions that his God, his good shepherd, was with him and would protect him. This gave him a confidence in the crisis of his life. And if you read through the Psalms, David went through a lot of crises. And even, we'll see, even as he's going through these difficult times and he's written these powerful words in Psalm 23, there was times when he was just crying out in despair. His clothes were wet from the tears that he'd been shedding. He'd went through difficult times. But he comes full circle in most every psalm, but the Lord, the good shepherd, the shepherd of his flock. And what I think you can see happening in verse 4 is really an interesting thing. In the first few verses, he's referring to the good shepherd or God in kind of the third person. What do I mean by that? He. 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 And all of a sudden in verse 4, there's a change. All of a sudden it becomes very personal and very intimate. He's not talking about the good shepherd. He is talking to the good shepherd. You, me, different change, intimacy. And I believe a lot of that intimacy came out of those valleys in his life. And I believe that could be the reason. And all of a sudden in verse 4, when we read that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. He could have used the word, he is with me, but he personalized it. There's an intimacy It's no longer a conversation. It's communion with the Good Shepherd. Something took place in those valleys that probably could not take place anywhere else. Man, when I'm in a mountaintop experience and when things are going great in our lives, hopefully we love to talk about God. About how good He is and the blessings He's pouring out. And we're talking about God but we're not talking to Him. But when we get in those dark places, those difficult places, those crises in our lives, the the valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden, we are talking to God. We are communing with Him. He's like the breath we need to breathe. We're not just talking about Him. And I believe we see that happen in David's life through his life experiences. 
man, he had a confidence in the crises of his life because he knew the good shepherd. He talked to him. He communed with him. He just didn't talk about him. And my hope is, my prayer would be that my confidence and your confidence in those times of crises grow when we see and read and look how it transformed David. David is an interesting character because, man, he, he shed more tears and he was more oppressed and depressed than anybody else we almost see in the Scripture. But we see a love for the Good Shepherd like almost nowhere else. Because of those difficult times, I believe that made a great impact on him. And it's interesting, in verse 4, almost doesn't seem to fit when you just first read through it. You know, green pastures, fresh waters, restoring our souls, and all of a sudden, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, why do you have to be such a downer here, David? It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. I believe until we understand it. Why in the world would the sheep be going to such a dark place? Because they're a sin? Why do we end up in a dark place? Because we sin and now we're being punished? We sure don't see that here at all. The reason they're going through the valleys is because the shepherd's with them, leading them through the valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, why wouldn't you? Because you are with me. He's with us. He's walking through it with us, leading his sheep through the valley. When we read it in context with verse 3, he guides me in paths of righteousness even though I walk through the valley. For you're with me. Why would a shepherd take his sheep through the valley? Let's go back to a flock of sheep again. They've been through the the late fall, the, the harsh winter. They've been surviving on whatever their shepherd had harvested, dry hay, whatever it is, maybe out nibbling whatever little bit they could find. And spring has come. And it's time to take them to the high meadows where the grass is green and lush as the snow or whatever is melted. But there's only one good way to get to the high pastures. Through the valleys. We walk through the valleys, leading us to the high pastures. You can't go straight up the cliff. You can't go up the rock. You take, he takes us on the easy way the easiest way. And it's usually in those valleys where the streams are, where there's the water that we need. And near those streams, there might be some green grasses so we can have something to eat. But we're making a trip. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, I believe the Lord is always going to take us to a better, higher place. The valley itself, hear this clearly, isn't good necessarily. The valleys can really... Well, I know what word I'd use if we weren't on live stream. (laughs) They're not good. They can be very difficult, very bad. But the shepherd is always good. And in those times of difficulty in our lives, I wouldn't say we always learn something we couldn't learn any other way. But most of us, I think, if we evaluate our own lives and we're honest with ourselves, we learned most and drew closer to the Lord during difficult times than we did during the Really good top, good times, mountaintop experiences. 
I do not believe that the Lord causes what we would consider the dark valley, that valley of shadow of death. But His Word is clear. Even if Satan intends it for evil, he is going to turn it into something good. And I believe he's going to lead us to a higher place of intimacy with him if we follow the shepherd. That does not mean we do not, just like David, have some really rough times as we're going through that valley. We may find ourselves in despair. You know, how in the world do you continue to fight the good fight when you don't know what's going to happen next? We don't know what the future holds. We can't see a way out. And our imagination is going wild. And it's usually about all the bad things that are going to probably happen. This is going to just get worse and go on forever. All normal responses during some of the crises in our life. And I say normal only because I see it in David's life. He went through these things. But he didn't fear as he was going through the valley of the shadow of death. When we're in that valley, where do we find our hope? Where do we find peace? Where do we even find a joy in the midst of that crisis? What in the world gives David such confidence? And I believe he tells us as we continue on for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think there's three things, and I'm going to finish with these three things that helped David's confidence, three sources of his confidence that we can see here. When he kept repeating and he says, Thou art with me. He's just stayed in God's presence knew his presence was there, trusted that his presence was there, you're with me. You are with me. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, for he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. If he is who he says he is and he's faithful to his word, we have that promise. No matter how dark this valley looks, no matter how serious this crisis appears, he's with me. David believed and experienced the truth and reality that the Lord was with him. The good shepherd never abandoned him. When the valley is so dark, and some of us have been there, some of you may even be there now, it's so dark you can't even see the path ahead. You can't even see it. So we just need to hear the shepherd's voice. Trust his voice. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going through this with you. And we will go and come out on higher grounds. You'll know me better. You'll love me more. And you'll know me better. And therefore, you'll know I love you more than you can imagine. There's no valley, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, that he's not with us. The second thing, thy rod. The rod of a shepherd was kind of like a club. Maybe some of the books say about two feet long and maybe there was a knob on the end. Maybe it was a knot in a branch or part of a root of a tree trunk. But it would be a, a, a really hard piece of wood, two feet long. Some of them actually, more contemporary, well, not contemporary, not ancient times, a little bit more modern times, they would, they would take pieces of metal and, and pound it in to the, to the bulb or the end of that rod. 
And that rod was the weapon. Now they might use that occasionally to redirect a, a sheep. But mostly it was a weapon to protect them from their enemies. To protect the sheep. So that they would be safe. Defending the flock from the attack of the enemies. It's a picture for us of the, of the shepherd's strength, his power, his authority with that rod. And I would offer this thought to you. And some people make it more of a, a picture than I, I might. But that that rod represents the Word of God. In our lives, as His sheep, we have the Word of God. His power, His strength, His authority is in His Word. And He's given us that Word to protect us from the enemy. To overcome the enemy. To defeat the enemy. His Word. His power. In, in 1 John 4.4, 4, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We've heard that, we know that, we say that. Do we believe it? The power of God, His powerful Word in our lives. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's staff, usually a longer piece of wood, usually with some type of crook or curve on the end. And the staff was used to primarily direct the sheep. All a shepherd would have to do is come alongside and just kind of tap him on the side, get him turning one way or the other. But he could also use that staff and that curved part of the hook. If, if a lamb walked off or fell into a cliff or into a rocky place, he could reach down and just hook that lamb and bring it right up to safety. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He used it to guide and direct and gather up his sheep. If we are into the pictures, what could that staff represent in our own lives as Christians that would guide us, that would direct us? The Holy Spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. He's our teacher. He's the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have His rod, the Word. We have His staff, the Holy Spirit, to help us, to lead us, to guide us as we go through these difficult times. David was confident in a crisis. Even when he didn't always act it and sound like it. He just loved the way, psalm after psalm, he's just crying out to God, sometimes in absolute anguish. Despair almost sounds like hopelessness. The enemies that are against me, Lord. And then as you get to the end of that chapter... But you, Lord, I will trust in you. I will put my confidence in you. You are my shepherd. You are my rescuer. And that confidence that David had is available to every one of us when we're going through these crises. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if David would have written that psalm just a little bit different. Yea, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you pluck me up and put me in the high place. And life is good. But he didn't. He says, you go through it with me. He goes through it. And he will use it for good. He will draw us closer to himself and he will give us a greater and greater confidence. We need to be like David and stay close to the shepherd. Trust him. 
Trust him that he's always there with us. Trusting in his guidance. Trusting in his power and his authority. Confidence in every crisis. So we can just simply say like David did, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you and praise you as our good shepherd. God, that we as your sheep, as messed up as we can be in the decisions we can make at times, Lord, you love us unconditionally. You will not abandon us nor forsake us. You are our rescuer. You restore us. God, you set us free. God, you guide us. You have given us your word, which is powerful and true and never fails. You've given us your Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells in us to guide us and direct us, to help us to see in the Spirit, by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be able to embrace these things that David shares with us so that as we go through these crises, we don't know how long that valley is sometimes. We don't know how dark it is. But we do know you're with us and you'll go through it with us And when we get to that other side, the light begins to shine and get brighter and brighter. We will know you better. There will be a heightened trust and confidence in you that no matter what the crises, we'll get through it with you as you lead and guide us. And I pray for any of us here, Lord, or any that might be watching online, God, if they're in the middle of that crisis, that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak to them in an even clearer way. And the truths that they probably already know in their heart and in their mind would become like new revelation, bringing restoration and rest to weary, weary souls. Lord, as you go our separate way now this morning, Lord, I pray that you go before us, God, that we would truly be the kind of ambassadors you intend for us to be, sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing the joy that there is available to those who know Christ. And then we might walk in peace in a chaotic world. And no matter the chaos, we have a good shepherd that will keep us on track. Bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen.